Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Russell, thank you for the the kind uh, introduction. Um, This past weekend, I got to preach in uh, Bend, Oregon uh, with uh, Jake Burke, where he is serving, one of our alums. He was here earlier this semester and and preached for us in chapel. And uh, he he gave a a similar introduction where he told his entire entire congregation that I was a Raiders fan as as he introduced me. But um, I I wouldn't know what it would be like to, to root for such a futile team. But uh, anyway, they went. <laughs> Our text today comes from first, second Timothy, comes from second Timothy chapter two, verse one, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Actually, begins, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is one of my favorite verses. I, I love this verse. I love the simplicity of this verse. I love the power of this verse. It, it's a verse that could make for a good bumper sticker. Or, or you, could, you could put it like at the end of your email as like one of those like sign-off signature verses. Or, or you could do a lot with it. Maybe you could make this your, your life verse. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But the problem with those, those bumper sticker, email signature, life verses is that they are often pulled out of contexts. They often kind of stand by themselves, uh, divorced away from the context in which they belong and that gives them meaning. And if there's anything that I have learned in my years of, of Bible interpretation, it is that a text without a context is a pretext. And we, we can't have that. There, we, have to, we have to find its meaning in its context. And so we need to ask, what did Paul mean when he said to Timothy, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? But there's another difficulty with this text. It's, it's kind of a paradox, kind of an oxymoron. Strong? Grace. Those are two words that sound like they shouldn't go together, right? Strong grace. They, they sound like Chuck Faber. It sounds kind of like saying melancholy Amber Grove. Like saying wishy-washy Dr. Williams. Do those words belong together? Strong grace. When, when you think strong, you think, you think able, decisive, determined, tough. When you think grace, you think benevolent, compassionate, tender. Strong grace. Words that sound like they don't belong together until you've ever had the experience of needing to be gracious. Then you find out that Strong and grace really do go well together. You need to be strong to have grace. In fact, that's our idea today is that if you're, you're going to need to be strong, if you're going to live in the grace of Jesus, 
And because this verse is not a bumper sticker and it's not an email signature and it's not a life verse, Paul's instruction to be strong in grace is not just a proverbial aphorism without a context. I think that it is the big idea that drives his whole letter to 2 Timothy, his whole second letter to Timothy. And when these, when you look at the themes that appear in 2 Timothy, you can see through the lens of strong grace that it is necessary It is absolutely necessary to be strong in the grace of Jesus if we're going to do all that Jesus has asked us to do and be all that he has called us to be. And so a first big idea that comes out of 2 Timothy is we need to be strong in the grace of Jesus that saved you. Be strong in the grace of Jesus that saved you. Back in chapter 1, Paul writes, he saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and and grace. And this grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He unpacks his theology of grace right here. How are we saved? It's not because of anything that we have done. It's because of his purpose. We are saved because of his grace. And he's been planning this. Since before the beginning of time, but when we see what Jesus has accomplished in his life, we see that life and immortality has been made made possible and made known to us through the gospel of Jesus. We need to be strong in a theology of grace, the grace that saved us. And I'm thankful for the Bible nerds who have taught me and invested in me so that I can better understand what this grace means. I'm indebted to my professors, but as as well, I'm indebted to scholars and authors and theologians that I have never met, but they have poured themselves into commentaries, into manuscripts, into reference books, into Christian histories, into Bible translations, so that we can know this grace that saved us, that we can know this theology of grace. Students, these four, five, whatever years of your life that you spend here are are probably going to be the most intense time of your life to study God's word and theology. Do not take these years for granted. Feast. Feast on this opportunity to understand God's plan to save mankind through Jesus. Learn and study in depth. Learn about the covenants and learn about the hypostatic union. Learn about exegesis and word studies. Learn about atonement theories and eschatology. And don't just learn them so that you can become the answer person and and win arguments or debates online, but learn the truth because... Because you love the God of truth. Learn the truth so that you can teach that truth to others and that they can obtain that salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Be strong in the grace of Jesus that saved you. But if we're going to be strong in Jesus, we also need to be strong in the grace of the Spirit that called you. In chapter 1, Paul says, For this reason, Timothy... 
I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of, our, of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. The translation that I memorized is different from the one on the screen. But through this letter, Paul reminds Timothy that he has been called by God's Spirit. And that Spirit is a gift. That Spirit calling is a gift that comes from God. It is also a gift that was confirmed to Timothy when Paul laid his hands on Timothy. And throughout this letter, Paul keeps reminding Timothy of the calling that he has to serve the kingdom in ministry service. He calls him a skilled workman. Paul calls Timothy a man of God. And he calls Timothy to use the gifts that he has received to do the work of building up the kingdom of Jesus through preaching and build it up through teaching and build it up through discipling and through worshiping and through counseling and through, through building relationships across cultures. I'm forever indebted to my youth minister, uh, Mike Elrod, back at Buxton Christian Church in Kansas, because he saw something in me that I did not see in myself. He saw a calling to work in the kingdom. He saw a calling to ministry. And if you had heard me stutter and stammer my way through that very first sermon, when, when I was uh, in ninth grade on youth group Sunday night, you still might not have seen what he saw. I didn't that night. But, but he saw a calling. He saw someone who could, who could do the work of ministry. He saw someone who could make a difference for building the kingdom of Jesus. And students, you have each had your moment. Your moment in your story where someone in your life saw potential in you to make a difference in the kingdom. And so you have come here to spend a few years at Boise Bible College to fan into flame that gift of the Spirit's calling in your life. So you don't need to be timid about it. You don't need to be ashamed about it. Even though that there are people back home that don't understand why you're here or what you're doing, but you can be strong in the grace of the calling that you have to serve in the kingdom. Flex that strength in power and in love and in self-discipline by the power of the Spirit. And not only do we need to be strong in that direction, but we need to be strong, for, strong in grace for partners who minister beside us. We, we have to be strong in grace for partners in ministry because we can't do this work of kingdom ministry by ourselves. Paul had a lot of partners in ministry. Some of those partners were, were, were great, and, and like, like Timothy, like Titus, that Paul is excited to be partners with, like Silas and Barnabas. But then Paul had some other, other partners in ministry that, that required a little bit more grace. Have you had any partners in ministry that required a little bit more grace? some classmates, some co-workers that require more grace. One of the people that, that Paul mentions in this letter to 2 Timothy is a guy named Onesephorus. At the end of chapter 1, Paul says that his ministry partner, Onesephorus, often refreshed 
him, often refreshed Paul, was not ashamed of his chains. On the contrary, when Onesephorus was, was in Rome, he searched hard for Paul until he found him. And, and Timothy, you know how well he, he in how many ways Onesephorus was, was right there helping Paul back in Ephesus. Paul in, encourages Timothy to be strong in grace, to be that kind of ministry partner. The kind of ministry partner that is just a gift to be around. And students, when you find yourself on a team doing ministry for the kingdom, you're going to have a, a, a choice and an opportunity to be strong in grace. Because there might be partners that you're working with that, that, that are frustrating, that, that don't get it, that make mistakes, and you're going to have to make, be strong in grace. Or there might be, be partners that are really, really strong, and in, in, in so strong in ministry, and so strong in grace, that you realize that you're the one that's receiving the grace right now. Over the last year, I got to be a fly on the wall of, of witnessing the grace of partnerships in ministry. In this last year, uh, you all know that our BBC library has transitioned from Amber moving out of the full-time faculty and Julie finishing her master's to move into the role of leading the library. I cannot think of ever witnessing a more a more gracious transition than what I saw there. And, and because both of these ladies are very gifted and they're very talented and they're very called, and when a transition happens, there are a million of little opportunities that, that could be a reason to decide not to be gracious. And yet, they work together to make a smooth transition, not only because they care about God's kingdom, not only because they care about BBC, but because they also genuinely care about each other. Be strong in grace with your partners in ministry. And then another direction to be strong in uh, comes to us as we pick back up in that verse. We need to be strong in grace to endure suffering. And in that verse where Paul begins chapter 2, Right after he says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, he says, verse 2, And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. But as soon as Paul talks about entrusting the gospel to others, he changes the subject, and verse 3 says, Join with me in suffering. And then he goes on to use these metaphors. He here begins talking about suffering kind of like a good soldier in Christ Jesus. And then he'll go on to say, join with me in suffering kind of like an athlete and suffer with me like a farmer. And those soldier, athlete, farmer become different images of what it looks like to endure suffering in ministry. But what I want to draw your attention to is notice how closely verse 2 and verse 3 are connected together. It's not a new paragraph. It's a continued thought. Because when he brings up suffering, he doesn't bring up suffering in the context of persecution, although he could have. When he brings up suffering, he doesn't bring up the context of suffering in the context of, of discomfort or poverty, although he could have. And when he brings up suffering, he doesn't bring it up in the context of, of opposition and, and people who oppose the gospel, although he could have brought it up in that context. When he brings up suffering, he brings it up right after he talks about discipleship. 
entrust the things that you've heard me say, the gospel of Jesus, entrust that to some reliable people who can entrust it to others as well. Join with me in suffering. Have you experienced that grace? That, that grace to endure, endure suffering of the people that you are serving and discipling. Because, because when we get into our ministries, there's quite a few of extra grace required folks. Folks that, that don't even understand how much grace that they are receiving. Folks that, that don't fully appreciate how gracious we're being with them. People who stumble and fall. People who are not as reliable with the teachings as we would like them to be. People who have itching ears on some days and won't listen to what we have to say. People who need to be shepherded. And people who smell like sheep. And people who are the reason that we found out that sometimes sheep can bite. And it takes a great amount of strength to be gracious with people who don't even know that you're being gracious with them. But when we get to the end of Paul's letter in chapter 4, he says, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Paul had been arrested. He's on trial this, this imprisonment will end in Paul's execution. And the people that he has been investing in bailed on him. And he says, may it not be held against them. He gives them grace even in that moment because his ministry all along had already been about giving them grace. And so his words sound a lot like the words of Jesus, who on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This grace that we are called to show, it requires strength because when people don't know that we're giving it to them and when people don't appreciate that we're giving to them, it is easy to stop giving grace to them. And perhaps the biggest paradox of all in this verse and in this, in this message of 2 Timothy is that it's in that moment when you have the greatest opportunity to become most like Jesus by loving the ones who least appreciate it. Not because of who they are, but because of who you have decided to be, a person that is strong in grace. And then maybe, just maybe, you might also learn that that suffering that they gave you the opportunity to experience was a gift that actually made you more like Jesus. Be strong in grace because you're going to need to be strong if you're going to live the grace of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. 
for your strength, that when we least knew it, when we least appreciated it, you died for us. And so Jesus, help us, help us to dive in to understand the depths of what that means so that we can teach it and share it and live in it. Help us, God, to to also understand the grace of of being called to your work and help us, Lord, to lean into this opportunity to be trained so that we can make a maximum impact for your kingdom as we share your grace to other people. And God, for those that we are serving alongside, help us to have grace for them and and to accept grace from them as, as we imperfectly figure out how to serve each other. And God, for those that we are bringing along and investing in, God, give us the grace to have grace for them, even when they don't know it, even when they don't appreciate it, so that we can receive the grace of learning how to be like you. Help us to be strong in that grace. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.